Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Everybody, a welcome, warm welcome indeed to you today. It is Sunday, the 31st of May 2020, and I want to welcome you to this video from Trinity Church as we seek to help each other worship God today as lockdown continues. Uh, wherever you're watching in the world, you're welcome to join us as we make our way through the book of Acts. It's what we're doing, it's what we were doing in our Sunday worship before lockdown began. We're carrying on as well uh, until such time as we're able to, to be together and to worship. Um, in person as well as like this virtually and so welcome today I hope that you're richly blessed by watching and joining with us we're going to begin as we always do with a call to worship these are words from the bible God himself calling us to his eternal throne in heaven where we can know him and hear him speak to us show us your unfailing love O God our saviour remember to be merciful to Abraham's descendants and grant us your salvation Listen to what the Lord our God says. He promises peace to his people, a light to the nations, and his salvation to the ends of the earth. Amen. Let's take a moment now, uh, wherever you're watching, however you want to do this, to take a moment of confession of sin. Uh, We know our own hearts, don't we? We know what the past week has been like, what even maybe this morning has been like. Uh, finding time to be together and to come to God like this is one of the most precious, wonderful things we can do uh, for the gospel is real and true. Here's words that we can say together. Heavenly Father, ever since the fall and our disobedience, your heart has been grieved because of us. As men and women, as boys and girls, we constantly sin against you and break your just and holy law. And yet Jesus was a man And the brightness of his glory and the perfection of his obedience covers all our sin. Lord, teach our hearts to always be conscious of your love. Lord, forgive us our sins. Lord, comfort us. Lord, send your spirit and make us new today. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 32 gives us our assurance of pardon. God's own promise of forgiveness of sins. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. We know that experience, don't we, of keeping sin secret. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. But then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Amen. Well, our reading today is the second half of the book of Acts. It's Acts chapter 15. We're going to read from verses 22 uh, through to verse 35. After the council of Jerusalem, here now is the council's letter to Gentile believers. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders 
with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch. And having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others also. Amen. Well, friends, I think we have to begin today by noticing a problem. There's a big problem, actually, for us here in Acts chapter 15. Last week, I said this. Acts 15 is all about gospel maths. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Gospel maths. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus and faith alone in him is how we join God's family. How do you turn to God, turn away from sin and turn to God and walk through the door of his house and live with him forever? How do you do that? One word answer, Jesus and him alone. End of story. But, but, and I know some of you will have thought this last week as we read read this passage, uh, read Acts chapter 15. It's not just that Acts 15 is about Some people who don't believe that what I've just said is true. No, the problem is Acts 15 itself doesn't seem to say that it's true. See, as well as what we've just read together this morning, look back at verse 19 of our passage, chapter 15. Therefore, my judgment, this is James speaking, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. Okay, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But we should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. We shouldn't trouble those who turn to God. Jesus is enough, period, full stop, end of story. And yet, nevertheless, we should add these four things to them and tell them not to do them. So does the gospel have a footnote? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But don't forget to read the small print. There's always a catch. Is that right? Is this a contradiction to what we saw last week? Exactly the same issue is there for us again in our passage. It's stated twice, verses 19 and 20, and now 
verses 28 and 29, it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. Jesus plus nothing uh, except these requirements. I said last week, didn't I, that I don't like maths. Sums are, sums are never as simple as they seem. Is this why? Is this the rug being pulled out from under our feet? Last week's sermon was, how do you join God's family? Today's sermon is, how do you live in God's family? That, that's what we're going to look at today. Once you turn, once you join, once you're in, what does it look like? How should we then live? And last week we had the problem of gospel maths and the answer of gospel grace. Today is all about the application of gospel grace. The application of gospel grace. And so I want to show us three things today as we look at this passage together. That the application of the good news about Jesus to our lives looks like three things. It looks like fighting. It looks like being different. And it looks like caring. The application of gospel grace means that we will fight, means that we will be different, and it means that we will care. So number one, the gospel of grace makes us willing to fight, willing to fight. Let me just get us to take a step back and take in the whole of Acts chapter 15 here. We're doing it over two Sundays, but you can see the headings that you've got in your Bible, the Council of Jerusalem, then verse 22, a letter from the council. But I said last week that that is really rather tame. Really, this is a church crisis. The crisis in Jerusalem. The fight in Jerusalem. This was a fight for the content of the gospel, for the long-term and worldwide prospects of the gospel. This was a fight for the identity of God's people. You know, friends, in this chapter, it's just worth noting, if you've ever wondered... This is where the idea of Presbyterianism comes from, from a chapter like this. The word presbyter just means elder. Presbyterianism is a system of church government governed by more than one elder, plural eldership. Churches that are led by elders and then elders that meet together to govern the churches as a whole. Do you see that in chapter 15, verse 2? Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. So some of the others, along with Paul and Barnabas, were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. Verse 22, it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose some men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. That's why we have a Presbyterian form of church government at Trinity. Elders who who shepherd the flock and then those elders who meet with elders from other churches to shepherd the flock all together. And friends, here's what we need to see here in this chapter. Churches need elders that are willing to fight. Churches need elders that are willing to fight. Elders should be fighting men. It may surprise you to know that when we're thinking about elders. When I'm uh, looking at our church family, wondering about the future, thinking about who, who shepherds could be, who we should have as shepherds, I look for fighting men. Now, I want to be clear, it doesn't mean men who love a fight. It's a very big difference. There's a certain type of character loves a fight. That is not what we're looking for in an elder. But men who know how to fight and when to fight and why to fight. 
See, read the letter to the Galatians where all of this is played out in even more detail. And feel the hot temperature of the letter of the letter to the Galatians. It's exactly the same issue here in Acts 15. Because salvation itself is at stake. Some fights in the church are worth having because they keep the gospel pure. They keep the gospel alive. They keep it safe. They keep the gospel of grace free and they magnify Christ. Never forget that, friends. Some fights are worth having. Because they keep the gospel of grace free and they magnify Christ's saving death. Shepherds who never ever wield a rod to defend the sheep will in the end turn out to be bad shepherds, false shepherds. And the flock will one way or another be decimated. You you can tell the difference between a sheep and a wolf in sheep's clothing. You can tell the difference between those two things from what one of them eats. One eats sheep. And it's what would have happened here if Paul and Barnabas had simply rolled over the, the complete sufficiency of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, in his life and death to be our perfect saviour. If they just nodded and said, OK, fair enough, it would have disappeared from view. The apostles and the elders fought for it and travelled for it and argued for it and debated for it and wrote for it. I want to encourage you, we've been really blessed and fortunate uh, with the denomination that we've that, that, that we've joined, that we're part of, the International Presbyterian Church. But let, let me say this to you, friends. Don't ever be scared or worried if you hear that sometimes presbytery is a place of fighting. Don't fear it automatically. Sometimes elders fight to ward off enemies and disaster that sheep never even hear of. That's how it should be. I've said before, haven't I, that shepherds need to sweat at desks to lead sheep to pasture. Shepherds sweat at desks to lead the sheep to eat in their seats. Sometimes shepherds need to fight to lead the sheep to eat in their seats, to let them eat in peace. John Calvin said the pastor ought to have two voices, one for gathering the sheep and another for warding off and driving away wolves and thieves. Two voices, one for calling and gathering, one for warding off. The scripture supplies him with the means of doing both. And here's a scripture that gives us the means of doing both. I want to encourage you today, friends, be like this yourself. Not just look for it in elders. Treasure the gospel of grace. Let no one take it away from you. When we appoint new staff over the years, when you get to vote in church family life on ministers, elders, assistant ministers, do these men treasure the gospel of grace alone by faith alone in Christ alone? That's your question. Not not do they look like me? Do I like the look of them? Do I like their families? Do I think we'll get on well? Do they treasure the gospel of grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone? Be willing to fight for it. Number one, the gospel of grace makes us willing to fight. Number two, the gospel of grace makes us willing to be different. The gospel of grace makes us willing to be different. I want I want to take you into the heart of that problem I mentioned. What did you make of what James says in verse 20? Jesus plus nothing apart from these four things. Same thing again, like I said in verse 29. At first glance, it seems like a huge contradiction, doesn't it? 
Jesus plus something is the wrong answer. And yet here seems to be mistaken gospel sums again. You don't have to be circumcised, okay? We'll let you off that. You don't have to do that. But you do have to do things, James is saying. So what's going on? Well, I want to put it like that, like this, friends. Here's the difference, you see. These things in verse 20 and in verse 29, these four things are not requirements made of believers in order to belong to Jesus. They are requirements made of believers because they belong to Jesus. See the difference? These four things are not requirements made of you and I in order to get into God's family, in order to belong to him. They are requirements made of us because we belong to him, because we're his. So it's the difference, isn't it, between how you get into a family and how you live in a family. The, the, the kids in a family didn't have anything to, anything to do to join it, did they? It was mum and dad's choice to have them. The, their free grace to put the children where they are in the, in the family, round the table. But now that the kids are there, they... Well, it's what happens, isn't it? Don't families often say to children, look, in our family, we just don't do this. It's not who we are. It's not how we behave. It's not what we do. In our family, we don't do this. We don't put feet on the sofa or stand on the table to win an argument or whatever it is. Family rules make family life flourish, don't they? They don't define who gets into the family. They just make family life work. And there's something really important to see here. I want you to look uh, at the at, at the passage again. Some people... Look at verse 20 and verse 29. Some people think that these four things are describing things from the Old Testament law, from the book of Leviticus. And so the Jerusalem council people are saying, look, okay, we've got the gospel maths right. We've we've got Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's right. Okay, we've got salvation clear. We've got it right. But look, these things from the Old Testament law are still really important. They're really important to the Jewish people in the church. So although we know you don't need to do them to be saved, you don't need to keep keep these things from the Old Testament to get into God's family, it sure would help them be good family members if they kept those bits of the law anyway. It would sure help their Jewish brothers and sisters. It would make mealtimes a little bit more harmonious. Now, that is a view I used to hold. I used to think these four things came from the Old Testament law. This was a kind of compromise arrangement, if you like. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's how you get saved. But look, just help life work smoothly by keeping these bits of the law. But here's the thing. It's not clear why these four things here, idols, sexual immorality, things that have been strangled and blood. It's not clear why those four things should be pulled out from the law and only those given to the Gentiles to keep. Why these four things instead of everything in the law? Remember what I said last week that the law is not actually something you pick and choose over. Over 600 commandments given to God's people to keep. Why these four in particular? Now I think there's a better way to read verse 20 and 29. These four things here are not from the Old Testament law. They're not from the Old Testament law and Gentiles are not being asked to avoid them from the law. 
Rather, they are four things that mark their pagan way of life, that they're being asked to turn away from completely and to reject. See, it's very likely, verse 20 and 29, Gentiles in coming to faith would often have gone to their temples, the temples of their gods, where they would have worshipped idols and had sex with the temple prostitutes, taken part in all the feasts and ceremonies of the temple. What they're being told here is this, look, when you join God's family, when you, when you enter God's house, there are certain things you just leave at the door. It's why idols are mentioned first time each time here. It's, it's kind of the heading for the old way of life, idol worship. And then sexual sin and the rituals of food and drink that show that you used to just live for yourself. All you need to get in is belief in Jesus, friends. All you need to belong to God is belief in Jesus. And friends, as we do that, as we come into God's house, like the wonderful host that he is, Jesus meets us at the door and he says, let me take your jacket, your old clothes. He takes them off us and says, you're not going to need this anymore. Your feet are dirty. And he kneels down, let me wash your feet. Let me get rid of all this muck and dirt. You are welcome here. I will make you clean. So I think verses 20 and 29 are not, not things from the Old Testament law that they have to keep. Not laws that they have to keep. They're, they're markers of their pagan Gentile lifestyle that they, they have to abandon. I think verse 21, you see, means you Gentiles, you actually already know this, don't you? You may be new to Jesus, but you're not you're not new to hearing about what God loves. All over the ancient world, God's law was read out week by week. You know that God hates idolatry and sexual immorality. Do you see it? How do we live in God's family? Once we're through the door, we're looking at this place. Wow, this is amazing. Everything's clean what a house what a host what a master what a king what's life like here how do we live by being different by being different some people struggle with the grace of christ that's the first part of acts chapter 15 it's what we saw last week some people struggle with the grace of christ but some people struggle too with the lordship of christ with the lordship of christ Come to Jesus as you are, yes, and as you come, he bids you die. And he lays us in the dust, he takes us and lays us in the cold and dark of his tomb and raises us up again to new life in him. And he just keeps killing everything about us that belongs to the old life, the old Gentile way of living, the old pagan way of living, everything that belongs to our flesh. See, one preacher put it like this. I think this is nice. I think this will help help us understand this. He said, look, what we're actually being told here in verses 20 and 29, what we're actually being told here in this passage, Acts chapter 15, is this. You Gentiles, when you come to Jesus, you don't have to dress a certain way. You don't need a, a check shirt like I normally wear or a blue jacket in church or chinos. You don't have to drive a certain sort of car. You don't have to live in a certain type of house. You don't need to now start liking a certain type of music when you come to Jesus. No, we're, we're all different here. Keep being you. But verse 20 and 29, 
you do have to start leaving behind the pollution of your old weekends. And the way that you dressed that showed that you just want to hook up and go home with whoever you wanted for a one night stand. You do have to leave behind the kind of drinking that shows you've got no control at all over who you go home with and what you do. You do have to leave behind the kind of gluttony that is papering over a world of pain in your heart, not dealing with your heart issues. You do have to leave behind a love of money and power that means you will trample over anybody, whatever it takes to get to the top and to have it all. See, that's what James would say if he was writing verse 20 and verse 29 today. These things here in these verses come from pagan temple worship. Well, you're... Before you came to Christ here, you haven't been at a pagan temple, but we have lived differently, haven't we? If this letter in verse 23 was being emailed out today after presbytery to all our churches, those are the kind of things it might include. Leave behind the pollution of your weekends and the way you used to dress so that you could go home with whoever you wanted. You see, that's helpful, isn't it? Helpful to rephrase it like that today. This instruction that is sent down in verse 20 C, verse 23, the instruction sent down from presbytery to the churches, it is less about preventing offence to Jewish believers as it is about preventing offence to God. When you join his family, there are just many things you used to do that now we don't. Because they're offensive to him. People arrive at your front door do I take my shoes off? Do I keep my shoes on? What do you, what do you do here? Oh yeah, we take we take them off here. It's, it's what we do then, isn't it? No one says, "Oh well, sorry, I'm going to keep them on." No, it's it's your house. It's somebody else's house. I'll do what I'll do what you want. I don't want to make your place dirty. And friends, God says that to us too here. This is why Acts 15 is in the Bible to say that. God sometimes says to his people, we do not do those things here. Not in my family, not when you belong to Jesus. When you come to Christ, you do need to cancel your subscriptions to the Pornhub channel. When you come to Christ, you do need to change what you do with the TV remote. You do need to change what you do with the adult channels your marital affair does have to end we have to be different what you do with your money does need to be different I want to encourage our young people those of you who are watching and listening I know these are difficult days in many ways university is up in the air schooling is up in the air many of you were hoping to transition in different years from primary to secondary or secondary into uh, higher levels. Many people have had exams on hold. In these difficult days where so much is different around us, I want to encourage you to be courageous in being different. I know it's hard as a Christian being on the fringes of things. There are certain apps missing from your phone, aren't there? Because you're a Christian, you have different habits, different things you don't, things you don't watch, places you don't go. I want to encourage you to be different. To, to know that belonging to Jesus, belonging to a saviour as wonderful as him, as beautiful as him, will cleanse you, make you clean, make you want to be clean and stand out from the world. 
I want to encourage all of us today in the fight. When we turn to God, we turn from sin. We turn from sin and it is tough. I know it's tough. Everything around us is against us, isn't it? Go your own way. Be yourself. Be true to yourself. Make your own choices. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. If it feels good, do it. It must be right. You know, when when lockdown took hold in Italy, Pornhub embraced a commercial opportunity. They saw lockdown as a, a chance to make money. They made all their premium content free to everybody in Italy. And of course, the devastation, who knows what the devastation that will follow will be like. We think we live in a sexualized world, don't we? And we, we want to make peace with it. It's just all around us. There's no way we can escape it. But look here in Acts 15, the ancient world was no less obsessed with sex. No less sex mad. And the gospel call then was the same as the gospel call now. When we turn to God, we turn from sin. The gospel of grace makes us willing to fight. The gospel of grace makes us willing to be different. We fight for the gospel of grace. We are different through the gospel of grace. And number three, the gospel of grace makes us willing to care because of it. It's just worth seeing. I'm I'm just about to finish. It's just worth seeing, isn't it, as we finish. This is all about unity, isn't it? Acts 15. How how do Jew and Gentile live together? This is the first interracial major conflict in the church. These early days of different races, different cultures. People have been on different journeys with God. The Jews for centuries before and Gentiles coming in as latecomers to the party. Coming in new. How do we live together and sit together all under the same roof and around the same table. And this council, this meeting, this crisis says, do nothing to offend another brother or sister. Do nothing to offend them. Give no offence to God first in his family as our father, but isn't so much about family life, learning to live with our siblings as well as with our parents. Learning to live together too. Jew and Gentile laying down their rights, treasuring God's love in the gospel in Jesus, longing to be different together, doing nothing to offend one another. One ancient writer looked at Christians, you know, and he said, the biggest difference I can see is that while pagans are ready to kill each other, these Christians are willing to die for each other. These Christians are willing to die for each other. Friends, so may it be. May we be willing to be different, willing to care, willing to fight, all because we know Jesus plus nothing is everything. And Jesus plus nothing being everything means I will live for him. I will lay down my life for him and for you and treasure his gospel grace all my days. So may it be. May God richly bless you and help you and help us all. Amen.